Hey gang, thanks for listening to this very, very special bonus episode of The Hustle with the great and powerful Mike Peters of The Alarm. So Mike has a ton going on right now. The Alarm are putting out a new album called Sigma on the 28th of June. This song right here, Blood Red, Viral Black, is the first uh, single off of that album. It is incredible. It is just what you want from a from a killer Alarm album. Next month, they are embarking on a tour. They're going out with Modern English and Jay Aston's Gene Love Jezebel on a North American tour. They're coming through Denver. I'm hoping to get to see them. So we talk about that. We also talk about his health. As you guys know, he and his wife have been battling cancer now for years. He started the Love Hope Faith Foundation to uh, find bone marrow matches at alarm concerts. He's working so hard. He's such a force for good in this world. I, I just love him. So there's that. He also was recently awarded no BE by the Royal Family in Great Britain. That's amazing too. So we talk about all of this. And of course, I I had to ask since we had had Eddie McDonald on last year and discussed, you know, what the what the likelihood would be of a full-on alarm reunion. We talk about that in here as well, and he makes his case very passionately about what he thinks about all of that. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. There is no one else like Mike. He's one of the best there ever is. Uh, he talked. You know what? I forgot. I think he's probably he was probably in London somewhere, <laughs> right? Anyway, here's Mike. First of all, I just got to tell you, I love you. I've loved you for most of my life, so this is a real honor. Um, speaking of <laughs> speaking of honors, <laughs> you bet. Speaking of honors, I'm wondering if oh, I'm nice supposed to. to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if I'm supposed to call you Sir Mike Peters because of the recent <laughs> MBE. What does that mean? We're we're Americans. Tell us what this means. Uh, yeah, it's a, a mem- honourable member of the British Empire, um, it, the Order of the British Empire. It's a it's a, an award that is um, bestowed by the royal family through the Prime Minister, uh, Prime Minister's office. And uh, I received the award at Buckingham Palace from um, Prince Charles, uh, the Prince of Wales. And uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I, it's uh, an award where you, you're recognised for your public duty and the work you give as a, a you know member of the, the of Britain, uh-huh. uh, of um, the communities. And uh, and it, and I, I, when I received the award, it was quite out of the blue. I wasn't expecting anything like that. I described it as a multitude of brilliant efforts because uh, I feel like I took this award on behalf of a lot of people who supported not just the alarm and our music and our career, but, but all the work we've done through our charity, the folks' strength and the lives we've saved and affected through uh, the fundraising activities we've uh, conducted for the last 12 years now. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen you in concert several times. Over, I live in Denver, and you thankfully pass through here. Oh, great. Pretty regularly. Tell us about the Love, Hope, Strength. Every time I go, there's someone, you know, wanting to swab my cheek and stuff. Tell us exactly how this works. Love, Hope, Strength is charity set up with a, a friend of mine from Texas, James Chippendale and wife Jules in 2007 and, and it was a result of our, our experiences with cancer, positive experience I have to say, you know, of recovery stories and, and um, you know, coming through some tough ordeals but surviving to tell the tale and we decided to tell our story through Love, Hope, Strength and we, since we formed the charity we've taken musicians to Everest, Kilimanjaro, high mountains in the world, Pikes Peak in Colorado, to raise funds for cancer services. For those less fortunate than ourselves, as we were affected, who don't have access to the same cancer treatments and medical teams that we've had to keep ourselves alive. 
And then through the process, we, we also started running uh, bow marrow drives. Uh, both James Chippendale and myself are trans, uh, well, James is a transplant survivor. I've got leukemia, might need a transplant at some point in time. Mm. And you need uh, a donor to survive those ordeals. So we started trying to get as many people as we could onto the bone marrow registry. So we came up with a campaign called Get On The List. And we mm. started signing up people at concerts and music festivals in the UK and USA. And we cheek swab people at those gigs, yeah. put them on the stem cell registry. And if they match with somebody, then they can donate blood to, to save that person's life. It's uh, as somebody who's seen you in concert a lot, as I mentioned, it's so simple and it's so necessary. And I would just encourage anyone who gets to see Mike or the Alarm in concert, especially this summer, because you got a big tour coming up. Take two seconds and go to the booth and get swabbed. Now, tell us about the first of all, how's your health these days? My health is uh, really good. Thank you. Uh, uh, you know, I've been that's why I've been able to tour a lot in the last few years, uh, which uh, had, had been something that was denied to me before. But uh, in 2015, I had a relapse from the leukemia I've carried for most of my adult life, really, since 1995 in one form or another. I fell out of the system a little bit. Um, and my blood count spiked out of control again. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I was facing the transplant. But luckily my doctor said, rather than just accept that as the the normal practice he said look let me try and get you on a clinical trial there's a new drug coming that you know, could be really effective for, for, for myself uh, it was a bit of a tense time while we while he, he got me through that process uh, and i was able to get on the trial drug and it's been wonderful it's uh, it's liberated me from, from physical hospital treatments where I, yeah. I would have to be tethered to the hospital near the hospital so i could get in for treatment every few weeks which meant i couldn't really tour more than a couple of weeks at a time so um, this new drug I take, it's called idololysis, and it's an oral chemotherapy. In fact, it's not called chemotherapy anymore. They call it anti-cancer therapy. That's mm-hmm. how it comes in the bottles now. It used to say it used to say chemotherapy two years ago, and then all of a sudden, just slowly, the yellow tag on the bottle of the drug <laughs> changed from being chemo- chemotherapy to anti-cancer. And I thought, huh. well, that's quite a shift. Yeah. And I'll, I'll have that. And, uh, okay. and so I take these anti-cancer treatments now with me on the road. And uh, and I take the morning and night, and it's uh, and it keeps me going, and uh, I'm really lucky to be alive. Yeah, one of the time. good health. I, you know, yeah. I've, I've got a you know I've got cancer a cancer shadow hanging over me, but I'm in technically I'm in really good health. So uh, you know I'm normal as can be. That's uh, amazing. What's lurking in the shadow all the time. Yeah, that's amazing. One of the times I saw you come through town, you were fronting Big Country. It was in front of this strange little place called the Marquee Theater, and you walked and you walked past me, and I got to put my arm around you and tell you I loved you on the way in. But uh, you were in <laughs> well, bad. You, God, you bet. You were in pretty bad shape that night. I think you had just had some kind of a round of chemotherapy earlier that day, or something like that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. No, I remember. I remember writing the blog on the Big Country website about about the, the sort of stress management of looking after yourself in those situations when, uh, you know, I was carrying uh, quite a large amount of uh, maintenance treatment in my bloodstream at that time, and uh, and and it, it could affect you at any time. It, it, it's a weird thing being on some of these cancer drugs because it, it almost turns you into an addict. That you you have so much of this drug to keep you alive, but it, it, it deposits itself in, in sections of your body, and then all of a sudden it can start going at, at, at any time. And, and it's almost like when you see someone who's addicted to a heavy hardcore drug, they have a flashback, and that's the drug kicking back into mm-hmm. their system. 
when they're not expecting it. Well, you have the same thing with the chemotherapies or the maintenance treatments. And, and it could strike at any time. And all of a sudden, I felt terrible mm. right after the sound check. Mm. I just felt like I, I wasn't sure if I could make it through the gig. But, you know, I've always been someone who's, who, who I won't back down from that. I'll always try and get yeah. in there. And, and I did my best that night. It wasn't, it wasn't my best vocal performance for Big Country. But I think we made up with it, with, up for it with um, energy and commitment. And, uh, and the fans were brilliant. And, you know, we, and it was a it was a tough situation to be there for big country because Stuart had, uh, Adamson had, had, had lost his life, taken his own life, and it was a very mm-hmm. difficult position to be in. And but um, I really enjoyed it, and and I was able to pay back for that band because big country did a lot for the alarm, yeah. not just when we started out, but when we were re-firing up the band in 1999, myself and Eddie McDonald, when we were putting the band together for the modern era. Big country said, "Look, we." We know where you've come from. We know this is for all the right reasons. Come on tour with us. And, mm. and they, they gave us our first start back on the ladder, you know. Was, yeah. I was always grateful to them for that. I uh, I love you both. Um, one of my ha- one happy moment I've had is that I went to BYU, Brigham Young University, and they produce a show oh, or used to produce a show called The Song That Changed My Life or something like that. And you were kind enough to be a guest yeah, on that still show. Yeah, it. Are they? Okay, good. That's right. Um, yeah, and you were on there talking about how the song that changed your life was in a big country. And I just thought, these are two of my favorite things, three of my favorite things, big country, the alarm, and BYU coming together in one space. It was, uh, that was really great. A lot of things happened because of that program. Really? Like what? Well, the, 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 the BYU crew, led by the director, Russ Kendall, came to Wales. And, and they, they were really interested in my take on, on a song that had changed my life. They didn't know, you know, they were fans of The Alarm. Uh-huh. Russ had been a big fan of The Alarm, but he, he didn't really know too much about my whole background mm-hmm. at that time. And, and when I took him up the mountains in Wales and told him about Love, Hope, Strength, he really said, look, Mike, there's a massive story here. Never mind the song that changed your life. Look at the lives you're changing through Love, Hope, Strength. Let's, let's turn this into a film. And that was the beginnings of what what became the man in the camo jacket oh, there you uh, go. movie that we put out last last year. Yeah, so that's yeah. where it started. Oh, I wondered if there was a connection there. Oh, that's good to hear. Good. Okay. Um, now let's talk about the new music because uh, Blood Red Viral ba- Black. The video just came out within the last couple of weeks, and Sigma is coming out on June twenty eighth, and I love it. I've been able to hear it, and uh, I think my favorite song in the album is "Time." That's a, that's a, one of that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I it just it's so yeah, that's, killer. That's, well, it's a big theme on the record, I think. Really, you know, the 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 idea of time, and and you know, I'm 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 not um, the same kid as I was when I first came to America in 1983. I've lived a lot of life, and 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 you become more aware of time as as the less you you realize you have. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been faced with, with quite a lot of ordeals and uh, the, through the, the creative process that has led to these records, um, not only with myself, as I mentioned earlier, relapsing and having to change focus. Uh, my wife, Jules, was diagnosed with breast cancer in the middle of it all as well. And so we, we, were, we had to sort of almost put the alarm on hold for a while. And, and when, when you realise you, you get into the kind of age I'm at, and, and this could be your last opportunities to go on tour it, put anything like that on hold is, is pretty devastating and sort of really focus the idea of you know obviously faced with it off the possibility i could have lost my wife and 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 that we've got two young kids and mm-hmm. how we without jules and or myself and uh and so time became very real and that's why it's uh 
you know, it, it ticks its way through the whole album, yeah. really. Yeah. How is Jules doing today, by the way? She's fantastic. She's, uh, you know, had had uh, surgery, radiotherapy, chemotherapy, uh, all, all, all in the, the midst of the, the creative process that's led to Sigma. The, even the, the whole lyrics of the album was shaped in that time. We, we put everything on hold, but I, I felt that um, I didn't want us to just start to rebuild everything we'd had to take down mm-hmm. at the moment Jules made it through recovery. I, I said to him, but let's, let's, let's go into this with the mindset that you're going to come through with the recovery story and, and I'm going to get on this trial drug and we're both going to be able to carry on. So let's put the things that we've just had to cancel in place for, and we projected in the diary when we knew we could come through all the processes that were laid out in front of us in the medical team. So we, we knew we were going to resurface at a certain point. And while we were in the, the, the hospital and Jules having surgeries and radiotherapies, I, I felt quite exposed emotionally at those times. And I didn't have a guitar to reflect what I was thinking. So I used to write all the lyrics into my phone on scraps of paper. And, and it was only when we'd come through the worst of those times that I shared them with Jules. And, and she really read some of the things I'd written and said, you know what, Mike, I think this is your next album. This is the next set of alarm songs here. And I, I didn't quite see it. And I thought, well, are you sure? You know, it's, it's quite a lot of rambling and just naked emotions. Because no, I think this is, this is, this is your, this is the new alarm record coming to you through this ordeal. And, and, and so I, I went to the studio and laid out all the lyrics all over the floor and, and just started to see the music in it all of a sudden. And, and uh, we created a lot of music. It was originally entitled Blood Red Viral Black, which is the opening song from Sigma this, this yep. coming this June. Uh, and it's going to be a double album at first. That, that, mm. that envisaged to put it. And, but when it came time to put it into the public domain, for real, uh, I thought, oh, maybe it's too much in this day and age for people to actually sit down and listen to a double album. Maybe some of it would get lost if, if we did it that way. So uh, yeah. we, we, I just came up with this plan to release an album last year called Equals in 2018. Great. And then yep. exactly one year on, well, you yeah. one year and one day, Mm-hmm. Come Sigma, so it's it's like a double album, but it's uh, it's been delayed, so you you get the full picture is revealed at the when you've, we've gone through the whole cycle, and in a way, it's bookended with the songs Two Rivers, which started equals and closes mm. Sigma, albeit with a different set of lyrics and a different outlook and yeah. and and uh, way that portrayal of the music, but it, so it's hard to say where one starts and one ends. Yeah. You get to the end of one record, you're really back at the beginning of the other one. Interesting. So uh, it makes a nice, uh, a nice, interesting listening experience good. for all the fans who choose to listen to it. Yeah, it's so good. One thing I wanted to, you know, I was in getting ready to talk to you. I was, I guess, play, paying hyper attention to lyrics where I'm, I'm not normally akin to do that. But in Blood Red Viral Black, the idea of being under attack, you know, is part of the chorus you have an album called under attack i'm sure with the shadow of cancer looming over you all the time you probably feel under attack is that what i mean the alarm has always been this band that has made you that's marshalling the troops to take that hill you know and get your blood pumping and and get your heart racing and and fight the good fight for righteousness and that's what's the that's the beauty of the alarm when you write today are you do you think you're is it you sort of wanting to just kick cancer in the teeth or is, are there other fights you're fighting against? What are the, what's the top of mind mission when you write a song today about being under attack? 
Well, I think when you when you write the song, you, you you are writing it for your own personal experience, and and obviously for me at the time it was, you know, my family was under attack from yeah. from a, a disease that blights the world. But uh, you don't want to just make it narrow, so it, it only it's only about that. I think mm-hmm. you know me playing in a band, you, you want it to have life beyond the initial inspiration that that kick started the song. And, and you want people to be able to read into it, like all good poetry, all good art. There's always there's something always beyond it, something you can't quite touch, you know. Because I always think music comes from the subconscious; it comes from elsewhere. I'm just the recipient, the receiver yeah. of this music, and and it's channeled through me. But it, and it's meant for everybody else because music it doesn't come alive until it's shared. Mm-hmm. It's it's not born until you share it with somebody else, True. and and so. To me, it's, it's, it, mean, it can mean anything to everybody. And I think we're all under attack to some degree. Mm. You, if we say anything about anything now, mm-hmm. you, you, you can be attacked from all sides. You know, yeah. no, nobody can win a, any argument anymore no, because everyone, every human being is valid. Mm-hmm. Every, every social group is valid, has their place in the world. And, and I think instead of being under attack we need to kind of like let's mm-hmm. let's accept everybody and let's mm-hmm. just be recipients and and let's be human beings that, that we can and there's, there's far greater things to fight than humanity we've got these diseases that are rampaging through the world taking all our loved ones away from us and that's yeah. really where you know again when you come back to time we have we don't have very much time let's let them mm-hmm. you know enjoy life to the to the full yeah yeah, I agree. And I wonder, too, you've been so prolific these last few years. One of my favorite album, recent albums of yours is Guerrilla Tactics. I love that album. And I'm still processing <laughs> Thanks, that. Yeah. There's been Sure, and there's been like three or four others since then. And I wondered, too, if, if the Cancer Shadow, do you feel like you're um, sort of, is it a race against time for you in some ways? Do you ever feel like I got to get the most stuff out of me to make a statement in case this cancer overtakes me at some point. I think you're possibly right there. You know, I think subconsciously maybe that is part of the drive. Because mm-hmm. um, I surprise myself at times thinking, why am I, why am I putting all this music out there? But yeah. I feel driven to do it. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and obviously it comes from standing on the edge and, and looking over and think, wow, that, that could be the end. But one more mm-hmm. step in that direction, I could be all over, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. and all this that I have built, could be gone and, and I can't I won't get to be part of it anymore and uh, I think that is possibly the drive and I think it's possibly been there right from the beginning you know when, when you're a young kid trying to establish a band you know you're, you're fighting for something you're fighting for survival you know there's there's a million bands out there trying to make it you, you've got to fight tooth and nail to get onto every stage and and then there's, when you do get there there's people trying to tear it apart and I, I think the alarm to me, we, we were trying, people tried to pigeonhole us as some sort of political band when we first came into the world. And I think we were never about that. We were mm. about far bigger things than politics. And I, I think it's only now that people are really seeing the, the real picture of what the alarm is about. And that was about principles, really. By mm. Standing up for your principles, standing up for yourself, for, for your own self-belief, that, that sometimes you don't win until 20 years into the game. Yeah. You know, this isn't a short-term fix. Those things don't come along that easily. You know, life yeah. is defined by the, the full term, not the few months or the, the, the clothes you wear or the one record you've made. I'd love to be around when, when people can really sit back and look at the Alarms catalogue and go, 
right from there to there let's assess the whole lot and see what this mm-hmm. band really stood for because i think we've, we've uh you know the, the test of time is uh, is we are standing for it right now you know the, yeah. the test of time is is, is being applied through alarm right now and it's it, and so whenever we go on stage, I play it like it's the last time I'll ever be there. Yeah. I play every concert like it's my last night on earth, and I'm really grateful for every single opportunity that I have to do it. And so, yeah, I probably am being driven by this sort of force of nature yeah. to, to, to make it as much music as I possibly can while I have time. That's amazing. And that, you know, you say you you expressing that makes so much sense as someone who's followed you for 30 whatever years. I mean, you're right. Uh, we think of you, I guess, because you get lumped in with the Simple Minds and the U2s and stuff who have political angles. We assume the alarm is in, in there, too. But you're right. You're really just singing about principles and overcoming adversity and making your life better and making others' lives better. And that's not really a political statement. That's that's the golden rule. That's part of the human experience. I've never thought of it that way. I love that you said that. You're getting on with your neighbour is the best thing you can try and do in the world, isn't it? Yeah. You know? And then the next person you meet along that. It's, you know, but to me, I've always been out there trying to, you know, okay, not every decision you make in the world is going to be right for your neighbour or for the one you, 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 you're in, involved with in, in certain situations in life. But if, if you do things for the right reason, in the fullness of time, people will come to understand, now I know why that guy had mm-hmm. to make that move. You know, and to me, love doesn't mean just putting your arm around somebody. Love means somebody telling people, we're not going to be together anymore. We're going to move on. We're going to have to do something different here. Mm-hmm. This isn't working. That is love as well. And and, and we that's the politics we've always tried to em- involve ourselves in, is, is to empower people to not be afraid to love the people they want to be with or love themselves and you know, have the courage to make the t- kind of decisions that are going to give them the freedom to be themselves. You know, so mm-hmm. many people are imprisoned in relationships they don't want to be in because they haven't got the courage to speak up for themselves. Yeah, say, true. this isn't working anymore. I have mm-hmm. to, you know, I have to move on. Well, our, our music has always been a soundtrack for that kind of transition, that journey. Someone saying, this isn't working. I'm going to give this up. I'm going to start again. And, you know, and that goes back to our first single, Unsafe Building. It, it's all about tearing things down to start again. Don't be afraid to smash everything up yeah. to rebuild it because sometimes it can be better. You can build a better house. If it, yeah. Certainly if it's built on an unsafe foundation and you yeah. find a better place to build a, your home and your life, then it can be better. But That's have true. the courage of those convictions. That's true. Are you, um, are you a religious or a spiritual person at all? Does that fire not, I'm not some religious. of this? I don't buy in, into religion, but okay. you know, I have faith, and and I, I, I that 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 carries me forward in, into life. Okay, I wondered. Someone who is so full of this kind of zest, I wondered if any of it came from a spiritual or a religious or whatever a God focused place. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah, okay. I, I'm I'm not I'm not big on the man the man made religion. You know yeah. the rules. Uh, that yeah. you have to follow to to fall in line to certain things, uh, you know. To me, Jesus, God, those kind of they they, they came to set us free to mm-hmm. be to be human beings, and and you know, religion is is something is a set of rules handed down, created, misinterpreted sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. m- misdirected, and it also has really powerful connotations as well, and beautiful connotations, and and I just think you have 
you, you know, if you, you become part of that and you, you respect it, it, it is there to be liberating for for you to be mm-hmm. to become the person you, that you were put on planet Earth to be. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, okay, I have to I have to ask you a couple of hard questions. I hope this is okay. Last Go year, okay, last year I had Eddie McDonald on here, and we had a long beautiful in-depth conversation about his career and the whole history of the alarm and thankfully the alarm fan community really grabbed a hold of it and it made kind of a little bit of a stir there for a little while and one of the things i'm most curious about with you is why there is never a proper alarm reunion i know nigel and dave come back in and out of the picture sometimes but eddie never seems to and i wondered why well, well, the house was that we got back together in 2003 and did Bands Reunited. Yep, I remember that. That was all, all four members of the band, and that was a beautiful thing because that was televised like the, the Brixton event was. Yep. There's been lots of opportunities to put the band back together again, but various members have capitulated from those opportunities at the last minute. Hmm. And, and so it's never gone forward. And, and so you can't force people to do something they don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, Eddie was there at the conception of the alarm in 1999 when we toured with Big Country. Mm-hmm. And he was gonna, he wanted to be part of the alarm going forward. It's his idea to call the alarm. It was going to be called the Alarm AD, mm-hmm. Alarm 2000. And that, that came from him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, his joke was it would be the Alarm AD after Dave was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, for, and, and we had it, look, and we went forward and it was it was a great, touring period, playing the big country, they were great to us. And But Eddie turned around to me after the gigs and said, look, Mike, I'm not, I don't enjoy being on the road. I've forgotten how hard it was. Like, he'd been mm. off the road for 10 years. And he wanted to go back to his life as a photographer. And, and he's, yeah. he's flitted in and out a couple of times here and there. But um, there was opportunities around the, the, the anniversary declaration where, where yeah. we were minutes away from doing something together. And it, and it never happened because Eddie decided not to go forward it. Now, you can't. It's no one's fault. It's just that, that the circumstances didn't align themselves up properly. We've, we've talked a number of occasions about doing something together. You know, as time goes by, I, I feel that the reunion that we did for Bands Reunited was, was probably was good enough for, oh. for what the alarm was all about. And, mm-hmm. and it was a great, it was on camera, it was recorded, everyone mm-hmm. could see it. And then since then, you know, Nigel came and played with us in San Francisco. I'm working with Dave Sharp at the moment. He's he's on the new album. He plays mm. on the track Equals, and uh, and and we see we all see the alarm in different ways. We're all. I don't think, and I've got to be honest. I don't think a reunion would light any fires on a on a long term basis. But mm. uh, I think it'd be great for five minutes. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, and I don't think it would work. It wouldn't necessarily work. I don't think because all the things that tours apart, like who's going to sing what, which songs we're going to play. That that, that 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 would be really difficult to resolve. But the best way I I thought of it was that we could have got together to play the Declaration album and a year mm-hmm. later play the Strength album. Then there's no question of who sings what and mm-hmm. who plays what. That that the history has defined those um, parameters, mm-hmm. and and we couldn't work our way through those things. So it it just wasn't meant to be. So mm-hmm. uh, but the friendship always remains. You know we're all in contact yeah. with each other. And okay. uh, I don't think any of us feel under any pressure to do a reunion. I don't think the fans okay. do either. 
Okay. Well, uh, speaking as a fan and, and the kind of response that I got when that out, when that, uh, episode came out about a year ago, there was a, there was a big, there did seem to be sort of a loud response to like, Hey, what? Yeah. Why isn't there? And my thinking was, uh, it doesn't, you know, everyone's I don't think there's a loud response. I, I, sorry, John, really? I don't, I don't think there's a loud response for that. Hmm. Didn't, it didn't fire itself across my, uh, my doorway. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, maybe it was just. I don't, you know, I don't see it at the gigs. I don't. I don't hear it at the gigs. I think oh. that. I think you. You know, you're misrepresenting the alarm community here. Alarm fans are about moving forward, mm. facing forward. You know, they're mm. not all about looking backwards. True. And I don't. I think we've we've liberated ourselves from that. I think the alarm is. You know, we're a band that exists in the in the modern era with a forward-facing modern sound, modern outlook. Yeah. We're not a history. You know, if, if we, I'd, I would hate the alarm to get back just to be an '80s tribute band. Oh, be, yeah. That's not the alarm. Yeah. That would be disgusting. Yeah. No, and I wouldn't want to do that. And and that's my criteria. Mm-hmm. And and that's Dave Sharp's criteria. And that's Nigel. And I think that's Eddie's too. None of us want to be that tribute mm-hmm. to each other. That because we we're all older now. Everyone's getting into their sixties. We can't go back and tell we're sixteen anymore. That it's unrealistic, and I think mm-hmm. most of our fans know that now, and that's why they're happy and content mm-hmm. to have the alarm that they have today because it's a powerful entity. We're, yeah. we're making a difference in the world as the alarm did when it was first born in 1981, and before that in 1977 when it was just me and the toilets. Yeah, it's, it, we are still making a difference, and I think that is what the, the priority of the alarm was when our first single came out the lyrics were you're here for a purpose but you'll have to search for it is whatever it is you have got to decide not mm. we not us you mm. and that is what the alarm is doing now it's still deciding its future right now and, and making its own way in the world good that settles it then good yeah my thinking was uh you know uh, could... <laughs> it'll never settle it john <laughs> it will never settle it it will always be debated, and long may it continue. Yeah, that's yeah. how I see it right now. That that makes a lot of sense, and who better to speak on it? My my thinking was, could and it look, be a one-off? Can, there's no point. Look, you know, let's. I hope that this isn't going to go out there to become some divisive instrument pitting me against no. Eddie because we're both spoken on on your podcast as individuals. We're, we're all we're all part of the Alarm family, whether yeah. we've been part of it for a certain amount of time or part of it for all time, like I have. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're all in it together and we all shape the future. And as fans, I think it's great that we have a community that comes together and has come together for over 28 years now to, to the gathering. And people have voiced these opinions for 28 years. Yeah. And, and we're still standing. We've worked our way through these differences. And I think that's what makes us can make us all really proud of the band we have today. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Okay, good. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Then I'm sorry. I just uh, it was a hot topic there for a little while, and I wanted to get your. You don't need on to it. apologize, John. Okay. Okay. I, look, we talk about this in the alarm world every day. Do you? And, okay. and we and we move on. And you know, we we we're happy to debate it all day mm-hmm. long. But there's there's times when it becomes we've got to move on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Okay. Good. So let's talk about the summer tour. You guys in Modern English and Gene Loves Jezebel. That means James Stevenson's going to have to pull some double duty on this tour, correct? Because he's a part of your band and Absolutely, Gene yeah. Loves Jezebel. Yeah. So this is going to be a great uh, yeah, great tour. A couple of months. You're hitting a lot of stops. You're coming back through Denver. I'm going to be able to go see that show. Um, how did this thing come about? 
it was really because um, I, I felt that that uh, we we could put a tour together with our friendships, you know, with mm. with the bands like Modern English that we'd known in the eighties. They toured with us in eighty five, eighty six, around the Strength period. Um, yeah, we I was reissuing the Strength album, and we were putting together the sleeve notes, and 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 I was looking back at the touring. We just ran a massive um, oral history uh, that all all the members of the Alarm contributed to. That uh, it's 14 part history on the alarm.com of the strength period and 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 we and the part that talks about is when we were touring with modern english and or i just felt like if we put a tour together of bands that still have the same outlook they come mm-hmm. from the same place we all we all appreciate and, and we cannot hide the fact that we've come from the 80s mm-hmm. but that's not a sin that's not a crime that's something mm-hmm. to be celebrated in this day and age because yeah. we we still have a lot of co- to contribute we still have a lot to give We've still got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to pass on. And I thought if we came together on this tour with a really modern outlook, so we didn't see it as a, a retroactive, let's go back to the 80s tour. Let's take the values of the 80s, but move forward to those. Let's let's show our audience that we're still standing. We've still got something to say. That we've survived the changes that life has, has made us uh, take on board and have to face up to. And let's create a, a really dynamic tour that is alive on social media, that is that can show people what it's like to be in a band on the road in 2019. Uh, we're going to have a tour MC on the road, so that when the conversation, as we call it now, in in that broader term, when we say the conversation carries on online, that that's how the tour is going to be. People will be involved in this tour. That they'll be able to communicate with the stage, so they can tell us where they've come from for a show. We can give we can have shout outs on the stage. Mm. They can you know, get a question answered by the band. You know, we're having an acoustic set before the, the doors open for people who want to come in early and, and grab some more music that oh, isn't wow. going to necessarily be played mm-hmm. in the main concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, we wanted to create a really dynamic situation where we can take the beginnings of this tour and as it develops and we, and we build the relationships with, with the audience, it, you know, it could go anywhere. It could have, it mm-hmm. could have a big say in the world. People can, you know, we can change the way people perceive our bands and see how we where we are at to this at this very day in history mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think it's going to be great I think the fans are going to absolutely love it we're going to have a yeah. great time we're all mates you know it, we might not be able to play a, a soccer as hard as we used to do in the eighties after the games <laughs> <laughs> after the gigs I mean because uh, that's one of the things we all love to get, when oh, we love you it. know and uh, and we've got some shared band history and members. You know, I'm looking, the last tour and this tour coming up now, that the alarm has changed. We've reinvented the alarm quite dramatically in the last few years. You know, the band is very different on stage. Mm. The instrumentation, we're, we're all multi-instrumentalists on stage. You know, I play acoustic, electric guitar, ba- uh, bass drum. I use loop stations. We've got, we've got baritone guitars. We've got double necks, bass pedals. Mm. You know, we, we have not stood, stood still. And, yeah. uh, and that's what we want the audience to, to feel as well. But this is something as much about the future as about where we've come from. Yeah, great. Well, I can't wait to see it. And you're right, it's a perfect triple bill. The three of you guys uh, on tour in one show is just going to be perfection. I know we're almost out of time. Let me let me ask you one thing. Will you quickly tell us the story of, you know, everyone remembers you two at Red Rocks, the Under Blood Red Sky. You guys were meant to be the opener. I know that the night before, a friend of mine saw you in Boulder at that show where you guys were, you thought it'd be really fun to kind of walk to the stage through the crowd, but you were on the complete opposite end of the 
basketball arena and it took forever for you guys to actually get to the stage. Does any of this ring a bell? Can you tell us what, tell us the story about how yeah, it didn't happen yeah. opening for you two well, at Red Rocks? Well, first of all, the show at Boulder was the night after Red Rocks. Oh, I thought before. it was the one before. Okay. And it was the, no, um, and the, the Boulder show was put in because the Red Rocks show got mm-hmm. cancelled because of the rain on the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put messages out on the radio, YouTube, to say, don't turn up at Red Rocks tonight. The gig's off. We're throwing a free concert, a replacement concert at Boulder in the basketball arena. Uh, that's how that, that part of the story mm-hmm. came to be. And uh, during the day, the, the rain was ferocious. We were all there. Um, you two had, had put um, a vast amount of their own um, resource into filming themselves in America to show how they developed to the world. Mm. And, and how America was accepting them as a, as a, as a real band. And uh, they had a British crew in that, that had filmed the, the Tube uh, TV show for ITV in the UK. They had Steve Lillywhite underneath the stage mm. recording. Jimmy Iovine was there. The whole production team and management behind you two were all there. Um, and it was the worst day they could have mm. picked from the calendar. The rain was ferocious. Uh, the, on the war tour, you two uh, used to p- have a red carpet for the stage every night, so it looked, felt like an arena show, mm. felt like the same show every night. They couldn't put the carpet down, it was so wet. They painted the stage red, red with paint, and, and the wind came before it could possibly dry and threw the red paint up over all their equipment, which was, luckily was covered in sheeting so it didn't get covered red. Uh, and th- that was the final straw. The gig got called off, and, and then... Bono said to me, look, we're going to go on stage and play uh, one song. So why don't you come up on stage and, and we'll do Hard Rain's Gonna Fall as a little <laughs> treat for the fans that turn up. And so they went on stage. I think they started out of control. I can't remember what the opening song was. And hmm. um, as they hit the stage, it was almost like a miracle happened because the weather just withdrew and hmm. cleared up enough. And that during the first song, Paul McGuinness was at the side of the stage saying, keep going. He was spurring them on. And he, he, got, he, ran, he got messages out to everybody to keep the show as planned. And, and a lot of the times when you, see, when you look back on that show, that there's a lot of wipeout on the cameras because they hadn't calibrated mm-hmm. the cameras for the night. They hadn't had time to do that because the weather. The, the soundtrack album, a lot of it is cold from other parts of the world because mm. some of the, there hadn't been a proper sound check to, to check the, the recordings. And so they, they had a lot of work to manage the show afterwards. And, and you two went through the whole show and it was an amazing night, down to the brilliance of Paul McGuinness, I have to say, their manager, mm-hmm. and uh, for seizing the opportunity and keeping the band on the stage. But when they came off the encore, I thought I was still going to go up there and play with them and do Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, <laughs> as we all did. Um, and unfortunately, Paul McGuinness said, no, not tonight, lads. <laughs> this is YouTube's night. It doesn't belong to the alarm. So, we, we, But when they, um, when they went out onto the stage, the Edge, it was Edge and Adam swapped guitar and bass, and Edge was playing the alarm bass guitar. Mm. So uh, that shows you how close we got. Wow. Uh, and the next night at Boulder, Colorado, we did go on stage to play Hard Rain's going to fall with you two, but we made one mistake. None of us had learned how to play it. And when we got on the stage, we didn't know how to do it. So it was uh, so Bono sacked us all, the alarm and you two, and finished it himself a cappella. Oh, that's hilarious. Great. So, well, thanks for great, sharing the story. great night. Really good night. Yep. Uh, thanks, Mike, you, thank you so much. I love you so much, and I'm so grateful for who you are. Thanks for talking with me. Hey. Thanks for being straight up. Cheers, John. You bet. Take care. There you have it, Mike Peters. 
I love that guy. No one has a heart like Mike Peters. He is the best. I hope he was okay, me asking about that reunion thing. It just made sense. I mean, it had to happen after we talked to Eddie McDonald last year, you know? Um, but now we know. Now we know where he stands on all of that. It's understandable. He obviously has to think about this a lot. Uh, we kept this one lean and mean. There weren't any musical cues in there. There was really no need for any of them. But I wanted to close it out with that song, Time, that I mentioned that is my favorite song off the new album, Sigma, out June 28th. And check the Alarms website for concert dates and all the other things he has going on. As you can tell, his plate is full and he likes it that way and he's good at it. Next Tuesday, we will be back with a regular episode. Again, we are talking to another great producer. It's a Paul Underwood production. And uh, you're going to know a ton of this guy's work, okay? Thanks, everybody. We love you. This is your